0: RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Today we're spotlighting food for post-menopause. So if you're not post-menopause, please stick with us because we share some vital information which is important for all life stages of females. And you can share our insights with other older women in your circle. So thanks for listening and we hope you find it really interesting. Welcome to the Food For Spotlight Series. For us, food is never just fuel. It provides a wide range of nutrients to support the many aspects of our health and also to promote physiological adaptations for our running performance. These short informative episodes are dedicated to food and meal planning, we'll spotlight key foods to support your running, and we'll share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Ronner's Health Hub.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm Karen, and I'm here once again with Aileen. Today, we are spotlighting food for postmenopause. So, Aileen, can you maybe start by telling us why we are talking about this today? Well, I think it's a really important topic
0: because once a woman enters the postmenopausal phase, uh, you're basically in this stage for the rest of your life and your hormone levels the oestrogen and progesterone will remain low during this period so if say you enter to menopause say around 50 and live until your mid 80s you'll be uh, postmenopausal for 35 years or more so it is a significant life stage and we really must be aware of the physical changes which will occur and the pen, potential health risks associated with this phase of life um and i think you know when you get to that midlife period i certainly noticed it when you're in your 50s and 60s you probably have got elderly parents or other older family members and you may have noticed how their physical appearance posture their strength and, and mobility have diminished so i want everybody to hold that thought um because what you know you've got to ask yourself the question what are you going to do now to preserve your posture your strength and mobility for your older age and and what you do now will really count so that's really the reason that we're talking about this today and and I was uh, you know when I was doing a little bit of research and reading around this topic I was really interested to see if I could find any statistics about the number of older female runners Uh, Because I I think we are a growing population, um, but I I struggled to find anything that gave me the information that I was looking for about older female runners. But I did find an article uh, which was written by an organization called Race Medicine, and it was interesting, and it's definitely worth the read because they covered lots of different trends. And what they did say is that there's been an increase in race participation um, of um, 57.8% um, participants, and that equates to um, 7.9 million participants in the world. So there's, there's a general increase in race participation, that's what they were saying. And, and within that, they they took out the decline in races due, due to COVID. But generally speaking, there was more of us out there uh, racing. And they did say that on average, runners are getting older, but they didn't focus on the over 60s. And for the first time in history, there are more female runners than male runners. And I think you can see that, actually, you know, when you are participating in any races. Um, we're, we're sort of um, just over tipping the balance, really. And, and in total, female participation has risen from just under 20% in 1986 to just above 50% in 2018. Um, so I'll put that link into the um into the show notes because...
1: Uh, if you're interested in statistics, it's an
0: interesting read.
1: Yeah, I really like that. And it's great to hear that um, sort of women are, are taking the lead in, um, in, in running at the moment, over 50% since 2018. But also that overall, there's more participation in, in races, so more people are out there running generally. And I think that's really encouraging. Um, and this is sort of looking at an, an older age group as well. So, Really great news. And I think it's also interesting to know that really the age categories in races for older athletes, they range from 60s to over 85s and and sometimes beyond. And, um, you know, actually when we're speaking about older runners, I have to say that um, from your 60 years onwards, um, as we're speaking about that menopause and so looking at it by that age but in race categories you're actually classed as veteran from the age of 35 which I think is really young but I know we're speaking about sort of 50s, 60s and and beyond um, in, in, in our discussion today. So Alien, as I I have to say, as I moved into an older race category, so I'm now in the 55 to 59 race category, I always think that I might have more chance of winning a race because there tends to be fewer runners to compete against. But really, from what you've just told us regarding the current statistics for female runners, that might not be the case. So, which is a bit of a shame because I've always that's one of my um desires is maybe to win a category. I'll never win a race, but to win a category one day <laughs> would be quite good. I'll keep trying, Karen. I'm sure you'll get yeah, there. Absolutely. Okay, so let's uh move on now and introduce our topic um for today. So so from a health and nutritional viewpoint, really, as a runner, our aims for this episode are to consider some foods that could help promote great postmenopausal health as a woman and a runner so that you can really um, enjoy your running into older age and minimize the risk of the health conditions associated with that postmenopausal years. So we'll focus on three groups of nutrients to support postmenopause. We'll outline the nutritional properties of each and consider how they may be added as part of your meal plan and we'll also give you some menu ideas. So the three nutrient groups that we'll discuss today are protein, bone building nutrients, and also phytoestrogens. So Aileen, before we talk about specific foods, could you maybe explain what is regarded as post-menopause
0: Yes, yes. So post menopause is the time after menopause. And it's when a woman hasn't experienced a period for 12 months. And that's the marker that indicates that you're post menopausal. Um, it's not uh, age that decides this, it's, uh, it's different. Every woman reaches that stage at a different age. And so post menopause means that we're no longer having periods. Uh, you can't get pregnant because your ovaries have stopped releasing eggs. Um, and the menopausal symptoms. Uh, may get milder or go away, but this might take a few years. Uh, And unfortunately, some women report symptoms in varying degrees for up to a decade after their last period. So I think that's where people get confused. They think that because they've still got menopausal symptoms, they're still in the menopause, but actually it's that 12 months after your last period, you're regarded medically as being post-menopause.
1: Okay, so thinking about the the hormonal changes, Aileen, what happens to those hormones? What are the changes after menopause?
0: Well, your ovaries are making very little of both oestrogen and progesterone by the time you are in post-menopause. But as I said, some women still experience the side effects from low hormone levels. So in post-menopause, the typical symptoms that women report would be hot flushes and night sweats, uh, vaginal dryness, disturbed sleep, uh, dry skin um, and weight gain and changes in body composition, um, mostly um, muscle loss and, and fat gain. Uh, and unfortunately, some women also report um, symptoms of depression and, and anxiety as well. Um, so, you know, as I said earlier, it can be in varying degrees and, It's slightly different from, I think, from perimenopause because perimenopause the symptoms often feel very erratic, a little bit like a roller coaster. You never know what's coming next. Um, Whilst in postmenopause, it it just feels more chronic because those symptoms are there all the time. Um, But what I would say is if uh, your symptoms become more intense or if you find that they're interfering with your daily life, then talk to your doctor and it's always advisable to just rule out any underlying condition that might be causing these symptoms because it might not just be menopause there might be other reasons for them So um, moving on from that, Karen, I wondered if you would take us through the health risks associated with menopause.
1: Yes, absolutely. And there are a few health risks, clearly, because um, estrogen and progesterone are protective in in many different ways. Now, osteoporosis is one, and I think most of us as women are aware that we're we're more prone to um, osteoporosis. After menopause. Now, this is the condition where bone mineral density decreases and bone becomes porous. And, um, and your risk of fracture increases. So runners do beware, you know, we're at increased risk of, of stress fractures anyway. But if you're postmenopause, then that risk could increase. But also um, there's an increased risk of sarcopenia postmenopause, um, which is this loss of muscle mass. Now we do naturally lose muscle mass as we age. So really for us as women, postmenopause, it's important to, that we try to minimize this with good nutrition and supportive exercise. So again, runners beware because uh, muscle mass is important for us as runners. Also, um, urinary tract infections, um, many women tend to be more susceptible to to at this point in their lives, and they tend to be or often are recurrent. And a decrease in, in estrogen levels are thought to possibly lead to vaginal tissue becoming thinner and drier. And this could make it easier for bacteria to flourish, which could eventually then lead to a urinary tract infection. And this is why potentially we're more more susceptible to them post-menopause. Also, women women of this age stage um, should be aware of the the increased risk of developing cardiovascular disease and potentially diabetes as well. So as I say, there are a few um, potential conditions that we're at increased risk of, but doesn't necessarily mean that we that we will develop.
0: Yeah, and I think it's just really, um, it's good to be aware of them. Mm-hmm. And then that that focuses us on why we should um, focus on our nutrition to support ourselves during this phase and I I recently completed some training in nutrition for for older clients and I was really shocked to discover um, that according to Diabetes UK half of all people with diabetes in the UK UK are aged 65 years and and a quarter are over 75. And that estimated around 4.7 million of people in the UK. So it was like an astounding Mm -hmm. statistic to me. And the other important thing to link to this is that blood sugar dysregulation is an underlying factor in developing the cardiovascular diseases that you just mentioned, Karen, and also dementia. So it's really important that we manage nutrition and lifestyle to reduce the risk of diabetes. Um, So there was lots of interesting things that I learned during that training that I'll share in future episodes but that was a a sort of one of those big flag waving bits of information that I I
1: was quite shocked at. Yeah absolutely Aileen it is quite sobering information I think we've shared quite a lot of sobering information. So maybe now we could move on and um, talk more positively about what we can do to optimize our health as postmenopausal women and runners. So um, let's start by talking about protein. What would you say about protein for a postmenopausal woman?
0: Well, the role of protein is really important because it supports muscle protein synthesis. So that's helping us to build muscle. And uh, as I said earlier, many midlife women often talk about about noticing the loss of muscle tone or getting flabby. And um, as I also mentioned earlier, sometimes we notice elderly elderly relatives maybe in their late 70s and 80s, and they almost seem to shrink as they lose muscle. And that's the the sarcopenia that we, we mentioned earlier. Um, and so sarcopenia is defined as the presence of low muscle mass together with low muscle function. So that's strength and performance. And there's also an association between sarcopenia
1: and osteoporosis, which you mentioned earlier, Karen. Mm, up to, absolutely. So really optimizing protein intake is vital to try and protect against this muscle loss. And um, the more muscle that we can retain now will support us in later years. So we can't, we can't stop Um, muscle loss, but we can slow it down by um, our our diet and nutrition and also our exercise. So in this age phase, so this postmenopausal phase, it is recommended that intake of protein is between 1.2 grams to 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight. And that's sort of thinking about ideally eating 20 to 40 grams of protein per meal, but spreading your protein intake throughout the day. And our mantra always is eat protein with every meal. And if you include protein with every meal and also with a snack, if you're having a snack, then that's going to help support you um, getting the, the, the sufficient amount of protein intake per day. But just as a reminder, Protein foods to, to think about including here include meat, poultry, fish, seaweed, seaweed <laughs> seafood, dairy. And um, also there are lots of plant-based proteins such as beans, legume, tofu, nuts and seeds, and also protein powders might just sort of help enhance your protein intake. And really sort of choosing foods or protein supplements which include the branch chain amino acids, um, especially leucine, will be really really supportive because um, they help, especially leucine, helps to trigger the muscle building cascade. So um, eat up your protein. So Aileen, I know that we've covered this topic in, in great detail in episode 68, Muscle Mass to power you're running but i just wondered if you could maybe remind us of how protein supports us as a runner
0: yes well for a runner um, retaining muscle mass is all about improving performance and uh, injury prevention so lean muscle mass burns more calories and that will support weight management and body composition And you'll reduce the risk of injury by minimizing muscle imbalances and weaknesses. And the muscle protein synthesis will be supported by... by consuming optimal protein. So eating the right amount of protein every day and also doing the weight training and the resistance exercise, which we mention and talk about in episode 68. And the benefits you'll see will be in your form, your endurance, your pace. Uh, it's, you'll probably have less likelihood of fatigue, of hitting the wall and also from suffering from cramps. So there's, there's a, you know, a whole range of benefits um, and every incentive really for us to make sure we're eating enough protein and a wide range of protein in our everyday food plan.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really great to get that reminder of, of how protein um supports us as a runner and how important it is to include it um, in each meal each day. So thanks for that, Aileen. So let's now uh, move on and talk about bone building nutrients. Now in the postmenopausal phase, we must protect really against osteoporosis and the risk of fractures that I mentioned earlier. And interestingly, approximately 30 percent of all postmenopausal women in Europe and in the United States are reported to have osteoporosis and at least 40 percent of these women will sustain one or more osteoporotic fracture. So again this is quite a sobering um, statistic, I think. Now, we do have two episodes on bone health, which um, are applicable applicable for women at all age stages. So there's um, episode 21, and then part two is episode 24. So Aileen, when we're thinking about um, bone building nutrients, what are the nutrients that we need to focus on, um, especially in that postmenopausal period? Yeah, well, these nutrients are very dear to our heart,
0: Karen, because mm-hmm. we, we both we both fall into the categories that we've just been talking about, don't yeah. we? And I always think, you know, the women who aren't in those categories, they probably just don't know. They haven't had a diagnosis. Uh, but the key building, uh, bone building nutrients for us to consider and make sure that we're consuming the right amounts of are calcium, vitamin D and magnesium, they're the big three. Uh, but we also have to consider vitamin K, collagen, and the trace elements of boron, copper, manganese, silicon, selenium, strontium, and vanadanium. So lots of nutrients uh, that are really important for bone building.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I have to say, you know, all of these bone building nutrients are available in food, but what we must consider is our intake is optimal, really, to supply the nutritional requirements at this stage of life. Um, and um, and it is possible that that we at this point in time could benefit from a nutritional supplement plan. So if that is an area that you think you might need help with, please do get in touch with us and book a supplement review just to make sure if you are taking supplements that are the right supplements and in the, the right dosage for you. And Aileen and I can can take you through that. So um, we'll add a list of food sources in our show notes. And um, we'll mention some of them when we talk through our food plan suggestions later, Um, but including dairy foods, small oily fish, dark green vegetables, nuts and seeds, and also that rainbow of fruit and vegetables that we speak about um, often will all help support bone health
0: great so yeah that's really important to food first but consider do we need some supplements along the way and and just as a a, to give people an idea of the amount of these really important um, nutrients that we need uh, menopausal women require between 1200 and 1500 milligrams of calcium per day and 600 to 750 milligrams of, of magnesium daily. So that calcium and magnesium ratio is in a two to one ratio and that's a really important um, combination. Um, and also I just wanted to remind people that vitamin D is made predominantly by safe sun exposure to your skin, um, but for optimal vitamin D status, you know, we always recommend um, that our clients test uh, their vitamin d status and once they know what uh, what their uh, results are it might be necessary to take supplements um, so you can't really rely on food for vitamin d unfortunately you will get a small amount from food uh, but it's really important that you test and then supplement if required
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think what we're saying here is that really protecting your bone health is crucial crucial. Uh, and crucial for all runners, but especially older runners who might be living with osteoporosis or osteopenia, even sort of that, that stage before osteoporosis and therefore have a higher risk of fracture. So let's now move on, Aileen, and talk about phytoestrogens and why postmenopausal women should include these foods in their diet. So just as a reminder, phytoestrogens are naturally occurring compounds that are found in plants foods. Now, foods that contain phytoestrogens include vegetables, some grains, and also the, the legumes. And um, phytoestrogens have a similar effect to estrogen produced in the body, but at a much weaker level. So, Erin, can you maybe explain a little bit about how these phytoestrogens work in the body?
0: yeah sure so so what phytoestrogens do is they imitate estrogen and they can do that because their chemical structure is very similar to that of estrogen from the body um, and the body's estrogen receptors uh, treat them as if they were estrogen and as you said karen their effect might be weaker um, so phytoestrogens don't bind onto estrogen receptors receptors as firmly as endogenous estrogen um, and after menopause, estrogen deficiency can affect bone health and and often lead to conditions such as osteoporosis. So, I mean, in my opinion, I just think that any estrogenic activity is going to be beneficial, and that's why the estrogenic foods, uh, the phytoestrogenic foods, are are important. Um, so, including these in our diet is going to a positive contributory step towards
1: balancing hormones. Yeah, absolutely. And when thinking about these different estrogenic um, food sources, I'm thinking of things here, including um, milled flaxseed, um, organic and fermented soybeans, um, which is tempeh really, edamame beans, tofu, also hummus and um, chickpeas, lentils, aduki beans, kidney beans, alfalfa sprouts, mung bean sprouts. So, as you can see, it is the it's the um, plant-based foods, and a lot of the legumes will contain some um, phytoestrogenic um, elements to them. Mm. And one of the
0: tips that we always recommend when choosing soy-based foods is always choose organic and uh, choose traditionally fermented um, foods such as tamari sauce, miso, tempeh that you mentioned, uh, and to avoid um, processed soya protein isolate so the other thing is to eat a variety of different phytoestrogens and, and aim for one to two portions of phytoestrogen foods every day um, so something that I do most days is add some beans to soup or salad or casseroles and that can its just an easy way of getting them into my daily food plan um so karen what can phytoestrogens do to support a runner are you aware of anything
1: well i'm not actually aware of any evidence which suggests phytoestrogens support and running performance per se but including them in your diet as a way of promoting estrogenic activity is certainly going to support so many body systems So, help us really in our quest to be a healthy woman, healthy runner. So, you know, uh, yeah, the, the the evidence for it to having a direct effect, no, but indirect effects to support overall health, therefore support our running. Yes, I, I would say definitely. And um, so, before we move on, let me just do a quick recap on um, the nutritional property, the nutritional properties of these different food groups that uh, we've spoken about so far, Aileen. So we spoke about protein and about eating protein to promote. Uh, muscle protein synthesis and also to help protect against sarcopenia. We spoke about adding the bone building nutrients such as calcium, magnesium, vitamin D alongside um, collagen and um, many trace minerals to promote bone building and bone mineral density and therefore helping to protect against that progression of osteoporosis. And then finally, we went on and looked at um, including phytoestrogenic foods to offset the natural decline in estrogen production postmenopause, which could affect bone health again and and cause conditions such as osteoporosis um, and phytoestrogenic foods could also help minimize other postmenopausal symptoms like the ones you spoke about way back at the beginning, Aileen, that become just chronic for a lot of women, and they just feel that they have to they have to live with them. But maybe by including these phytoestrogenic foods, that could help um, diminish them. Okay, Aileen. So shall we just sh- um, pause for a short advert break? Yes, of course. So
0: this is the the moment in the episode where we take a minute to talk to you about what Karen and I do outside of the podcast. And if you if you're a regular listener, you'll have noticed that we often mention our favourite brands and products in our podcast. And we decided um, that what we'd like to do is gather together all our favourite brands and supplies for you in one place. So so far, we tend to mention them in our show notes, but we know it's not easy for people to always refer back to the show notes. So what we've done is we've put the details of our favourites. Uh, we still put them in the show notes, but we hope that you'll visit. Um, our new office page on the website so that's at runnershealthhub.com and if you visit that page uh, regularly um, you'll find all of our updates there and over you know period of a number of years Karen and I have built really great relationships with our suppliers and And some of them have made special offers for you to try out their products and services. So when you get to the website, uh, you'll find all the different categories. And some have uh, links um, which will take you to a supplier website. And and these are affiliate links. So if you purchase through them, uh, we might earn a small commission, which helps us to fund the podcast. But they're all brands that we use and we recommend. And that's really why we're listing them for you. Um, so we hope that you'll enjoy having a look at that page and um, and trying out some of the products and services that we recommend uh, for you as uh, female runners. And also, we just wanted to say if there's a product or brand that you'd like us to review um, and perhaps um, ask the supplier for a special offer, please drop us a, an email at hello at com. And we'll take a look at the product and investigate it for you and let you know if it's something that we can recommend to all of our listeners and add it to that office page. So we hope you'll enjoy that in the coming weeks and months. Great. Thanks, Aileen.
1: Okay, so let's now move on and look at some food and menu ideas now. Um, And remember that we're focusing on protein at each meal, plus the bone building nutrients, and then adding the phytoestrogenic foods too. So I'll start with breakfast. I think my first choice would be um, overnight oats with berries, and then adding some yogurt, and a tablespoon of milled flaxseed. And I think this is a really easy way to add in the phytoestrogens to your morning porridge or overnight oats, whichever way you like your oats. So that would be my first choice. And it's, you know, you've got your protein there, you've got your bone building um, nutrients, and also you've got your phytoestrogens. So Aileen, what would be your suggestion? Well, I
0: I thought I would suggest um, a smoothie. Uh, And the reason I've chosen a smoothie is we've got a lovely um, bone building smoothie recipe, which we talked about in episode 62, which was um, a focus on smoothies for runners. And there's a few different therapeutic recipes there. And it's a really lovely recipe. It includes uh, spinach and kale. So you'll get calcium, magnesium and vitamin K there. Uh, you can choose to put either cashews or almonds in, so you get magnesium. Uh, you can have either papaya or banana to give you potassium. Um, there's an avocado in, uh, and also you can choose non-dairy milk or coconut water. So it, it's a really uh, lovely um smoothie recipe and if you wanted to you could add a, a scoop of protein powder and maybe some milk flaxseed like that you mentioned Karen so you've got everything in one glass and I, I just love that idea that you can um, get all the nutrients for the day in one glass <laughs> for, for breakfast time um so that's that's my choice for breakfast so now let's think about lunch um so my choice for lunch for this um good food plant would be something like sardine pate which is very easy to make with um, tin sardines and maybe serve it with flaxseed crackers and a large leafy green salad so what you would get there was the sardines would give you protein calcium and omega-3 oil so you're getting a lot of uh, nutrients in a small portion and all of those nutrients are really good for bone health and the flaxseed in the crackers would be a great source of phytoestrogens and then the green leafy salad will provide all the trace minerals that we were talking about earlier. Um, and if you are following a plant-based um, diet and you, you didn't want the, the fish pate, maybe you could swap the sardine pate for hummus, Um So that would be an easy lunch choice.
1: Mm, And I'm just thinking of an alternative lunch choice. And it could maybe be a hearty lentil and tofu soup with some added greens like chopped up broccoli or the kale that you spoke about earlier, Aileen. And I think soup is, is always really a great, easy lunch, especially if you... have some homemade soup um, in the freezer. So just take it out the day before or in the morning even, and it would probably be defrosted by lunchtime and can defrost in the pan, actually, if you just put it on a really low heat and it'll defrost and then it's 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 very easy and also hearty and filling. So that, those are some lunch ideas. Let's now think about the evening meal. Now I'm going to go a bit retro here with a, with a Mexican chili, which could be made with beef or maybe if you're um, vegetarian or vegan, you could swap the beef out and have kidney beans um, or maybe just have with, um, with beans served with um, brown rice, and um, and another big rainbow salad that we were speaking about earlier. so, um, so a bit retro, but really tasty. Well sometimes the simple stuff is the best isn't yes, it? it is absolutely. So, Aileen, what would you add as an alternative maybe to that evening meal?
0: um well, another favorite uh, recipe of ours is uh, marinated um ginger chicken. And so, with this one, I would add some um sesame seed to it and you could do that with um, salmon or tofu depending on what your preference was and if you serve that with a stir-fry vegetables including edanami beans broccoli and cauliflower all of those are cruciferous um, vegetables which um, are a really great source of phytoestrogens too so would
1: be a really great
0: um, evening
1: meal. Yeah, absolutely. And that's m- much more contemporary, not <laughs> retro at all, that one, but it sounds absolutely delicious. Okay, so let's wind up now with um, some snack ideas. So I'm thinking here maybe of hummus with crudity, um, a cup of miso soup, maybe um, homemade protein balls, and um, or maybe dark chocolate with a few almonds. So lots and lots of different um, ideas there for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then additional snacks if you need them. So I have to say, we're nearly at the end of our time today, Aileen. So could you maybe just recap on what you would say are the key food and nutrients from today's episode? Yes, so the the key
0: takeaways uh, for today is just to remember that postmenopause is a life phase and it starts 12 months after our last period and lasts for the rest of our lives uh, which we hope will be long and healthy and that's our our aim and we want to enjoy our running for as long as we can Um, following a good food plan at this age will help manage the health risks associated with this stage of life um, which includes sarcopenia osteoporosis cardiovascular disease and diabetes Um, remember to focus on optimal protein consumption bone building nutrients and phytoestrogenic foods and all of those will help support our overall health and running as we age as an older runner it's key to maintain lean muscle mass and protect against injury especially fractures and really you know we're talking about runners but for any woman um that is really important um, to protect against. Uh, remember to add in resistance and strength-based exercise. and That's as important as the food you eat. So please give both food and exercise equal priority. And also, we haven't mentioned this, but I just want to add it in. Ensure that you eat enough. Um, I think there is a tendency as people get older to reduce their food intake. And this may inadvertently lead to a nutrient deficiency. So it's all about what you do now. It's never too late to do um, any of these things, but what you do now will help you age um, in a good way as you get into your 70s and 80s and and beyond, maybe for some people. So what we'll do is we'll add our meal suggestions and the list of food to the show notes and also to the blog uh, so that you've got an easy reference point um, to look up. The ideas that we've talked about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we really hope that you're feeling inspired to try some of um, our food ideas. Um, and really, they're good at any age, not just in postmenopause. So do try them out. And remember, everyone, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance.
0: We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to try out some new menu ideas. Many of our clients are looking for new ways to help them introduce a healthy food plan which also supports their running performance. So we designed our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners programme and it's for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your running training. The program includes downloadable menu ideas, food lists, meal plans and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. And you get the added bonus of being invited to free online trainings and Q&As with Aileen and Karen. So you'll always have the opportunity to get some personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. Please check out the program at runnershealthhub.com or if you've got any questions, just drop us an email at hello at runnershealthhub.com. We'd love to see you join us on the program. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to try out some new menu ideas. Many of our clients are looking for new ways to help them introduce a healthy food plan which also supports their running performance. So we designed our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners programme and it's for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your running training. The programme includes downloadable menu ideas, food lists, meal plans, and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. And you get the added bonus of being invited to free online trainings and Q&As with Aileen and Karen. So you'll always have the opportunity to get some personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. Please check out the programme at runnershealthhub.com or if you've got any questions, just drop us an email at hello at runnershealthhub.com. We'd love to see you join us on the programme.